everybody welcome back to another episode of the king's council podcast i'm your host riley meek and we are gonna do a little series here over the next couple weeks as we roll out the audible version of the book the kingdom entrepreneur actually book one of of the series the kingdom entrepreneur series uh i've written this book the kept the the kingdom entrepreneur seven day blueprint which is god's proven template so if you have not gotten this book yet uh you are going to be able to hear it here over the next few weeks if you're a binge listener i apologize we're going to roll it out here over the next few weeks um as i am reading this uh and uh, we figured we, we would launch this thing on our podcast here as well but also for those of you that want a physical copy of this thing text the word seven Text the word seven to 727-472-3860. We'll show you how you can get a, a free physical copy of this thing. You got to pay for shipping, at least a couple bucks for that. But we'll get you this thing out there. Also, access to even an online course that we put together for this incredible stuff, um, which is straight out of Genesis, guys. And, and really, my heart behind this book uh, is in, in the heart behind the King's council. Uh, a lot of it is laid out within this book and what it actually means to live life in the kingdom economy, right? And, and as entrepreneurs, what I really mean by that is I, I fully believe that one of the most painful scenarios that we face as kingdom entrepreneurs is when, when we're given an opportunity to contribute to a cause that that we know what would could in, could advance the kingdom of heaven that that could actually truly impact somebody's life when i think of of uh child slavery or just you know people that are just in such need and when we when we have that calling or that stir that hunger that desire to contribute to that yet we don't have the resources to supply for that need that is like there's nothing more painful that, that i've experienced as a kingdom entrepreneur Right, and if you're an entrepreneur, which I believe you probably are, you're you're a wantrepreneur. If you're at least listening to this, uh, what do we do in those situations, right? Because kingdom entrepreneurs, we know that we were created by God, and we've been given this ability to produce wealth. And and I believe as as a a testament, even as to to confirm His covenant uh, throughout the earth, right? Deuteronomy eight tells us that we it's God's given us that ability to create wealth. Therefore, if we have that ability, we should do it, especially if we live here in the United States of America, for crying out loud, we don't have any excuse. We do not have any excuse. The amount of, of resources and, and abilities that we have are virtually endless if we apply ourselves, right? So if we're going to willingly engage in this thing, what I consider the battle of business, if we're going to continually conquer new territories, we're going to like bring the spoils of the world back into the kingdom economy. It starts with us. And that guy is, that's why I've written this thing, this book here. So I encourage you, I, I hope you, you, if you haven't read this yet, you'll at least listen to it here over the next few weeks. Uh, and and just get an understanding of where my heart is. And if it, if you feel like it's a tug on your heart to lock arms with a, a group of 
amazing um, people that are on mission as well. Join our community. It's completely free to be a part of this, this community uh, and you know, be in our, our Facebook groups, different things like that. But we've got some amazing things that are on in store for us here uh, over the upcoming months and, and, and really years because I know this is a movement that uh, God has put in motion. And if he has put in motion, ain't no man going to stop it, right? Whether it's me leading this thing or somebody else that God puts in place, I know the King's Council movement is here and it is going to help what I believe usher in that second coming of Christ. God's given us this, this template to create whether it's an incredible relationship with our spouse, if it's a successful business, uh, or really just a fulfilling life. God's given us this template, and he's given us the ability of how to create. First off, his word creates, his word contains creative power in the playbook that he's actually given us here, which is what I help to lay out. Again, guys, if you're looking for the, the most incredible self-help book out there, it is the Bible. And in this book, it isn't any other self-proclaimed guru's book. It is spending time in the living, breathing word of God. Now, what I hope to do is, is provide a little bit of insight into specifically Genesis chapter one in, in, in doing this. But at the core of it, if you want to get to the root of this, how to be prosperous and successful, it's to meditate on the book of the law. Do not let it depart from your lips. That means that we are speaking this out. Again, back to our the creative power that God's given us to speak things into existence. And then the structure and the order that he's given us on how to create something successful, long-term that's going to last, that has the fruit in our lives, that's truly going to have an impact on this earth today. His kingdom come on this earth today. So I'm going to leave it with that, guys. I hope you do really, truly enjoy this. I would love any feedback on this. If you leave a review for us on Amazon, that would be incredible. We did already get a bestseller award through Amazon, which is epic. Um, but again, uh, text the word seven or just the number seven, I guess, to 727-472-3860. We'll teach you how to get, uh, we'll show you how you can get a physical copy of this. You just got to pay for shipping, um, but also how you can get access to some different courses and different bonuses and things like that, that we've thrown together here as Kingdom Entrepreneurs. I love you guys. We'll talk to you soon. Chapter one, finding abundance. Main takeaway, finding abundance in our lives first means recognizing the fact that we not only have enormous resources at our disposal, we serve the king who owns the cattle on a thousand hills. God owns everything, and this is why we need to begin to change our mindset about wealth as a resource. We all want to find abundance. I think this is why after a seminar or workshop, people often ask me, Riley, how did you do it? How did you manage to get where you are in life, leading and, and teaching from a place of abundance? And because most of them know that I'm a Christian, what I often hear them asking is, how did you do all this while being a Christian? That mindset aggravates me, but I think I understand it. While there are plenty of Christians who have had phenomenal business success, think of companies like Chick-fil-A, uh, Amway, uh, Walmart, all started by Christians, uh, yet we tend to think that making money is worldly. So if a company or a business is successful, that must mean the founders are a couple of steps below being true Christians. 
After all, rich people can't be saved and saved people can't be rich, right? Hey guys, if you're digging this content and you'd like to be a part of our community of kingdom entrepreneurs, then text the word KING to 727-472-3860. We host virtual and in-person get-togethers with the focus of building community to advance the kingdom through wealth creation and financial stewardship. So if you're looking for this type of tribe and the resources to do so, then step into your true calling by texting the word KING to 727-472-3860. Now, to be clear, just because something makes a lot of money doesn't mean that it's of excellence or good quality, much less Christian. And if we're honest with each other, most Christian items seen in the marketplace often don't represent excellence. But this mindset coupled with the typical low quality that we've seen from Christian products and services is a bigger problem that we tend to realize. By and large, people are usually suspicious of Christian work, art, clothing, business, even Christian education, and for good reason. These days, anything with the name Christian attached to it has to typically work twice as hard to prove that it isn't a second-rate copy of the real thing. Now, I don't say that to shame or hurt anyone's feelings, but we've got to be honest about this in order to address it. When compared to the world, Christian work often doesn't measure up. When in reality, we should be the most excellent creators on the planet and produce the best quality products available. If, in fact, we are Christ ambassadors, why aren't we operating this way? Are we less intelligent? Of course not. From what I've seen, Christ followers tend to be troubled about money. Besides, maybe having a different definition of excellence and success, I think a big part of our problem with money as kingdom-minded people is our misunderstanding of finances in general. We tend to think that it's not Christian to make money. And this idea took root a long time back. Much of it is in the unconscious and unexamined. So we need to reconsider how we tend to think about this and whether making money is actually unbiblical. Does God hate money? Think about that. Is it true? Why do we think this? Maybe it's because we know loving money is a root of all kinds of evil. Yet as a resource, we know that money is very important for getting things done in our world, perhaps second only to time. Maybe we need to realize the difference between loving money and using money responsibly. I think we need to consider what would happen if we stopped carrying around wrong ideas about God hating money and consider what we might see in the church as a result. One of the reasons I wrote this series is because of the lack of financial abundance within the church when God gives us the blueprint and principles to acquire money and steward it well. There is nothing more frustrating than for a kingdom entrepreneur to see a need and not have the finances to fund that need, especially when the needs we are talking about are a matter of life and death. Rich Christians. I also wrote this series for Christians to become more faithful with all the wealth they already have. The amount of money Christians currently possess is pretty astounding. 209 million Americans identify as Christian. 
184.5 million are church members, and weekly attendance is 83 million, according to recent Pew Research and Gallup polls. Yet, of the nearly two-thirds of Americans who claim Christianity, only 10 to 25% say they tithe. So it's about 15.5 million people. The average amount is 2.5%, which isn't even close to the 10% tithe. In fact, it was actually 3.3% during the Great Depression. American Christians are estimated to produce $5.2 trillion annually. So 10% of that is $520 billion a year, or 38 times what is currently given. With $520 billion, all of the 380,000 churches in America could pay their average annual budget of $45.6 billion. And they would find room for a whole lot more. From an article published by National Christian Foundation in 2019, here are just a few things that churches could do with that 10%. Inflation is even accounted for here. $26.25 billion could relieve global hunger, starvation, and deaths from preventable diseases in five years. $12.6 billion could eliminate illiteracy in five years. $15.75 billion could solve the world's water and sanitation issues, specifically at places in the world where 1 billion people live on less than $1 per day. $1.1 billion could fully fund all overseas mission work. And there's still $418.7 billion left over. Imagine the kind of kingdom impact we could have with that kind of investment. Bear in mind, this is just simple math. Imagine what God could do supernaturally on top of our natural efforts. Since we can influence people's hearts and convictions, I believe the quickest, most impactful way to be the change is to make people aware of this situation, which is why I laid these statistics out for you. From there, I'm hopeful that we'll be able to see more Christians supporting Christian businesses and learning to steward that growth into greater generosity above and beyond the 10% standard. Because here's the thing, whether or not you agree tithing is biblical, when we begin to sow into kingdom-focused businesses, the God of multiplication could begin to blow our minds. Take this for example. Let's say one person makes $100 and then they tithe $10. If they spend the other $90 at Christian-owned businesses, their tithe will then be $9 total from that. If other Christian businesses receive that $81, they tithe $8.10 total, and on and on, building the kingdom in our midst. Now, I'm not advising to spend 90% of your paycheck, but using this to illustrate a point, I believe money can do one of two things. It can be controlled or it can be consumed. Right? It can either be saved and invested, a.k.a. controlled, or it can be consumed, which is spent. So in this scenario, the church could actually pay their staff who then tithe back and hire Christian vendors who also tithe. You can see how this very elementary approach would build the kingdom economy like nothing else. Of course, a Christian business directory for every product and service is needed, and we have one in the works. But until then, I'll bet you have a personal mental list of Christians who offer various items and things you purchase. So just imagine if we all pooled our resources and worked toward this achievable dream of investing in the kingdom economy together.
That's basically what I want to explore in this book and the rest of this series. I want to look at what that might mean for you and how I've experienced kingdom thinking taking shape and root in my own life. In each chapter, I include some of my own successes and failures to show what I think we need to do to improve our own financial abundance and understand the real biblical principles for kingdom investing. Over the course of my life, I've seen God prepare me to recognize this problem and speak this message. Personally, with those that I've helped in the businesses that they founded, it's been nothing short of life-changing to see what God has done. I've been so eager to share what I discover over the past few years. So beyond telling the story at conferences and on my podcast to anybody that'll listen, I'm excited to finally capture all of this in a book you can read and share with others. Now, let's get down to business. The King's Council Method. I built the King's Council Method on seven days of creation as they're written in the book of Genesis. Whether we see these as literal or figurative days doesn't matter for our purposes as much as recognizing the sequence and order of each day. Taken as seven distinct steps, I believe it's important to appreciate not just the fact that God created our reality, but the way he did it and how that can quickly help improve our understanding of the process for building any enterprise. I often call it a strategy as well, or even a system. It's not something I own, and I don't have a patent on the idea. I just believe it's a way to think broadly about what we're yearning to achieve and why, which then helps structure how we go about it. I talk specifically on how these steps apply to business, but in reality, this God-given blueprint can and should be applied to whatever we are creating, whether that be a new relationship, an incredible marriage, or a successful business. Once you understand the concepts behind each step, you'll see how this can apply in so many ways. I hope you'll find many of your own applications for this after going through my quick explanation here. God's word contains creative power in the playbook to creating fruitful relationships, successful businesses, and a fulfilling life. The first thing that God reveals about himself in scripture is not that he is a holy, all-knowing, omnipotent, loving, gracious, or even just God. What I find fascinating is that God shows us that he is creative. In Genesis, God creates It says that the earth was formless and empty, and from the darkness he spoke and created, not just for himself, but for the good of others. This insight into God's power and how he uses it is very instructive to entrepreneurs. Think about what it means that even before there was anything, there was God's creativity. This is the reason we ought to be very respectful of this creative impulse that arises out of our built-in hardware. Each of us carries the image of God, and because of that, we have access to this source of inspiration to fuel and drive our ideas to their greatest fulfillment. But as subjects of the high king, we have a great responsibility and a great advantage over our competition in seeing the greatest motivation for all creativity. It is God's very nature to create for the good of all people, not self-focused or dependent on anything or anyone else. 
God puts us first as the pinnacle of his creation to serve and delight us through this incredible provision. If you provide goods and services, you are this kind of provider and server. You can tap into this knowledge when you set out and when you face decisions within your work. For six days, God created. Then on the seventh day, he rested. However, there is one important thing to take note of that God did every day of the six days. Each day, God said, and what he called for became. Other scriptures support the literalness of this as well. It's inspiring to think how powerful our words are in changing reality. But remember, this is because we are drawing that power from a deep source. Again, responsibility and advantage. It's both. We're going to break this down and learn to apply God's word on creation in three major sections or phases of this awesome power of creativity. Discover, develop, deploy. Now, each of these phases is described in two steps each, which God separated by defining as days. Taken together, God's method of dividing up the work of creation is something of a divine blueprint for all creation and human enterprise. As a quick overview, in the discovery phase, there's the need to first define the vision, day one, and then the atmosphere or culture of your business, day two. The development phase includes days three, on creating the structure, and four, establishing the order of business operations. Finally, in the deployment phase, day five is about gaining momentum in those operations and day six, multiplying the relationships and goodness we've included. Taken together, these six considerations help ensure our businesses and methods are excellent and our systems for creating, delivering, and adjusting over time are as well. Day seven, of course, is a model to rest from our labors. And this is where we'll reflect honestly on how our business is going. In a competitive environment, this step is arguably a kingdom entrepreneur's greatest advantage over those who would simply plow forward with substandard products and try to overwhelm the market by sheer unrelenting force. Maybe that works for a time, but it does not help fulfill the customer's deeper need with a higher quality product. The seventh day of creation is just as important as the other six. Rest is as important as work. We'll cover that in its own chapter since it's a hidden key to productivity and success. No kingdom entrepreneur can afford to neglect. Now, as followers of the almighty creator, Let's use the strategy found in God's word to level up and take territory for his kingdom. Hey guys, if you're digging our content and want more, then join our community at joinkingscouncil.com or simply text the word KING to 727-472-3860.